Take your Bibles, turn tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We are in a series on Sunday night on knowing what I believe. Tonight, uh, fitting on the night that we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to talk about the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. We as Baptists say that there are two ordinances. Sometimes people say three ordinances that we are to observe. The two that we talk about are one we've already examined, baptism. The other being the Lord's Supper. Some add marriage is another ordinance, but it is not one required of everyone. So often we do not add that as an ordinance. There is considerable amount of controversy and variation of belief uh, regarding the Lord's Supper, even among the church. We can't even agree on what to call it. Some refer to it as a sacrament, which uh, comes from the Latin word sacramentum, which means a soldier's pledge of loyalty. Some refer to it as the Eucharist. It's the Greek word meaning thanksgiving. Others refer to it as communion, and it comes to us from the Greek word quenia, and it means fellowship. Some attach an almost uh, magical and mystical significance to the Lord's table. Our Catholic brothers and sisters believe that the bread and the wine actually become the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. There's a long name for that. It's called transubstantiation. But they believe that upon being taken, they actually become the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason why we stand so firmly as Protestants against the Mass which is their observance of communion, is every time they observe the Mass, they are literally, in their view, crucifying the Lord Jesus all over again. Now, as we'll see in the book of Hebrews, <coughs> it says that Jesus Christ was crucified and died and buried, rose from the dead once for all men and for all sin. Now, <coughs> on the other hand, our Lutheran uh, brothers believe that while the bread and the wine is not actually the flesh and blood of the Lord Jesus, He is, however, spiritually present in some mysterious way, and that's called consubstantiation. As Baptists, we believe that the bread and the juice are symbolic, symbols only of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus. And yet when we partake of those elements with the right attitude of heart, we do receive the blessings of Christ through remembering His death and looking for His coming again, the hope of our future. That being said, there are some who believe that we should take communion every week. There are some who say every month. 
Some say, well, every so often. But Jesus only said, and he said it in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five, as oft as you do. He doesn't say how often. It's pretty open, by the way. The point that the Lord is making, that it, as often as you do it, however often that is, do it in his memory. In many Christian circles, I'm afraid that the Lord's Supper has lost some of its significance. I recall going to a church of a different denomination where it was their tradition to take the Lord's Supper each and every week. At the end of that service, right before the announcements, they passed out the cup and the bread simultaneously. And within a couple of minutes, it was all over and done with. It seemed to have been just another tradition that they went through every week. Kind of like the greeting time in which we all get up and shake hands or when you get a donut in Sunday school, just something that you do week after week. But that's not what it was intended to do. <clears throat> From the biblical point of view, the Lord's Supper has deep theological and spiritual meanings. We find that it is here that we find that... <clears throat> Jesus tells his disciples that they are to observe this ordinance in remembrance of him. And no one really is left to guess at the symbolism of the Lord's Supper. For the Apostle Paul fills in the blanks for us in his first letter to the church at Corinth. So look there, if you would, with me at 1 Corinthians 11, 22. And the symbolism of the Lord's Supper. As we look at the first couple of verses there, 23 and 24. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. So the bread is symbolic of the broken body of our Lord. Like the Passover lamb, Jesus, the Lamb of God, <clears throat> laid down his life as a sacrifice for sin. His body was broken, his hands and his feet, his side, and even his brow were pierced for us. And each time we take the bread and the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of the theological truth of the substantiary, substitutionary atonement, which simply means he took my place. He took my place. Jesus gave his life <clears throat> for me. He laid down his own life on the cross to pay the price for our sin. He died in our place. His body was broken so that our broken souls might be healed. Isaiah 53, 5 says... But he was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. Secondly, the cup was symbolic of the shed blood of the new covenant. I don't know if you remember, but back in Exodus chapter 24, when Moses brought the, the covenant that God made with Israel, and he 
demonstrated it before the people. He took the blood of the sacrifice and he sprinkled half of it on the altar and the other half he sprinkled on the people. It was with the blood of the sacrifice that the covenant was sealed between God and his people. A covenant is the same thing as a testament. The Old Testament means the Old Covenant, which was the one that was based on the blood of sheep and oxen, whereby the high priest would have to go to the temple once each year on the Day of Atonement and there make a sacrifice for the sins of the people. But when Jesus died, he fulfilled the law and he instituted a new covenant, a new testament on which he w- it was ratified by the shedding of his own blood. It says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, though it was impossible with the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin, it says that Jesus took away the first covenant and he established the second so that we being sanctified through the offering of the blood and body of Jesus once for all time. His blood shed on the cross was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. With His blood, He became the sacrifice for our sins. A sacrifice which was acceptable to God. When we take the cup, we're we're remembering His shed blood. We're reflecting on the sacrifice that He made for us. We are being reminded of the covenant between us and God. A covenant sealed by the blood of His only begotten Son. And being reminded of that covenant should have a sobering effect on our lives. The second thing I want us to look at for just a few moments this evening is the significance of the Lord's Supper. There are four things we want the Lord's Supper to produce in our lives as believers. They are the four R's, so buddy, you be appreciative. There are four R's. First, remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, and as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you shall proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I don't know about you, but these days I can use a lot of reminders. The older I get, the more reminders I need. Especially with something as important as the Lord's death and resurrection. The hope that I have in His coming again. We have His promise that He will return. And the important thing for us now is to obey, to listen, and do what He says. How do you remember Jesus? Some, of course, remember Him for His kindness. Others see and remember Jesus as a great teacher and a moral role model. Others see Him as a prophet, even the greatest of prophets. But Jesus invites us to remember His death and His purpose in dying. He asks us to remember Him as a Savior. 
the bread, again, is a reminder of what Jesus did for us. Our salvation is free, but it certainly is not without cost. The juice is a reminder of the shed blood. He hung on the cross, battered and dying, not for sin he had committed, but in our place. To remember what it is that Jesus did for us and why it was necessary for him to die for us is what this is all about. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 say, For ye, for you that were redeemed from your empty way of life and inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. Each time we take the cup and each time we take the bread, we are to remember whose we are and the price that He paid to redeem us or to buy us back from the penalty of our sin. It should call us back <clears throat> to the foot of the cross. The old hymn writer put it this way, I saw the cross of Jesus when burdened with my sin. I sought the cross of Jesus to give me peace within. I brought my soul to Jesus. He cleansed it in His blood. And in the cross of Jesus, I found my peace with God. The bread and the cup call us to remember. But we're also called to remember, as I said before, that He is coming again to take us home. 1 Corinthians 11:26. The Scripture says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. The Lord's Supper reminds us not only that Jesus died for us, <clears throat> but that He's going to come for us. It calls us to live each day in the light of that final day. So the first R is remembrance, and the second R is repentance. Verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the, body, the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. If we just barely even read over those words, we have to come to the conclusion that Paul understands this to be a very serious business. The Lord expects us to take care of our sin before we come to the table. Now, your mother would have never allowed you to come the, to the table with dirty hands, would she? Why do we think the Lord would allow us to either? In John chapter 13, <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples in, in verse 10, He who has been bathed needs only to wash his feet to be entirely clean. In other words, those who have been cleansed through repentance and forgiveness of sin are clean. But our feet 
Our feet still need attention. When we walk through this life as believers, as followers of Christ, those who have been cleansed and made whole by the blood of Jesus, baptized into a new life with Him, we will from time to time get our feet dirty. We will from time to time suffer from sin. We will hurt one another. We will become proud. We will envy or boast or lust or deceive or steal, gossip or neglect, worry or become anxious, and the list goes on and on and on. And none of us is exempt. And Jesus makes provision for that. He tells us that when we come to the time of remembering his death, we are allow him to wash those parts of us which are dirty. That's why the Bible says that we are to examine ourselves before we come to the communion table. When we take the cup and the bread, we remember all that Jesus has done for us. We allow the Holy Spirit to show us the things in our lives which are inconsistent with our profession. And when He does, we should repent. That is, we should stop doing that which is displeasing to God and begin to do that which is pleasing in His sight. This is why God had judged some of the believers at Corinth. They were making... They were taking the cup and eating the bread in an unworthy manner. They were not judging themselves, therefore God judged them. The Lord's Supper calls us to repent of the attitudes of our heart and the actions of our hands which are displeasing to God. The third R is reconcile. There was a big problem at Corinth. They had all the outward ceremonies. They were going through the motions. They were having services. They were having activities. But their fellowship was lacking in love. Instead of coming to take the Lord's Supper and allowing God to use that time to remind them of the high price that He had paid for their souls, they allowed envy and strife and division which existed in, among their members to come into the group and to infect the worship of the church, especially their communion. They really were just going through the motions without giving place to the true significance of the ordinance. In fact, they were even using the Lord's Supper as another chance to get even with each other and to leave each other out. And for this reason, according to 1 Corinthians 11.30, God had pronounced judgment on them and some of them had even died. This passage shows how serious we are to take God's Word and how serious God is about our hearts being right with Him above all else. One of the great problems in the lives of many Christians today is they become desensitized to the Holy Spirit so desensitized that they can go through the motions of church week after week, service after service, even taking the Lord's Supper from time to time and never come to the 
terms with their relationship with God is dependent upon their relationship with other people. Their relationship with other people affects their relationship to God. That's why it's called communion. It's a time when we examine and correct our communion with God and our communion with one another. That's why we have to use the Lord's Supper as a time to reconcile with one another. That's why we are to take it with some regularity because it seems that we are always in the need of setting something straight. And one final R, and that's recommitment. Recommitment. After reflecting on what <clears throat> Jesus has done for us, after having the opportunity to repent of our sins and reconcile with one another, each time we take the cup and eat of the bread, we're called to recommit ourselves once again to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to allow His Holy Spirit to have complete, unreserved control of our lives. Just one more thing that I want <clears throat> you to consider in closing. I think we all like to receive gifts. There's a story told of a brilliant young pastor and seminary teacher who was opposed to Hitler's policies in the 1930s, and his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. On April the 5th, 1943, the Germans arrested Bonhoeffer and put him in prison. Two years later, the Nazis executed him, hanging him just days before the Allies swept in to liberate Germany. And about ten weeks after his arrest, Bonhoeffer ended a letter to his appearance with these words. He wrote, It's Monday, and as I was sitting down to a dinner of turnips, and potatoes, I received a parcel you sent me. Such things give me greater joy than I can say. Although I am utterly convinced that nothing can break the bonds between us, I seem to need some outward token or show to reassure me. In this way, material things become the vehicles of spiritual realities. I suppose it's rather like the felt need that we have for the sacrament. Bonhoeffer knew that his parents loved him, but he still needed for that love to be reaffirmed. He needed to be reminded of their love in a tangible way. Bonhoeffer's package from home served that purpose. And he saw the Lord's Supper as doing the same thing for believers. From God's side, the Lord's Supper is a tangible evidence to show us how much He loves us. Tonight we have received a package from home, a letter from heaven. And as we eat and as we drink, I want us to be reminded of God's awesome love for us, His children. It is His tangible reminder of His love. Let's bow for a word of prayer. We have a brief invitation. Father, I 
come before you this evening and Lord, I want to thank you for the privilege of fellowship. Fellowship with other believers, but fellowship with you. I thank you for this tangible evidence that you love us. We need to be reminded from time to time how much you love us. We need to be reminded of how much that love cost and what you were willing to do to redeem us. Father, as we prepare ourselves to take the Lord's Supper tonight, I pray that you'd help us to look into our hearts and see if there's anything that we need to, to repent of. If there's anything that we need to reconcile over. That we need to recommit ourselves to you. Whatever it is, Lord, that you want to do in our hearts and lives, we certainly want to turn this time over to you, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Dan's going to be here. We're going to have a very brief invitation. God spoke in.